who are dismissed for Children's Church. If that don't bless you, your blessers broke. You need to get it fixed. And uh, praise the Lord for that. And uh, thankful. What a great song that is through the years. And um, appreciate Brother Forrest and his ministry here at our church. As the children are going out, it is our privilege to have uh, uh, Brother Larry Appleby uh, with us in the services uh, today. Uh, Brother Appleby has wore many hats uh, through the years, and as Forrest said, uh, he was at Trinity when he was there. Well, he was also at Trinity when I was there, and uh, I was there about 10 years before Brother Forrest was, and uh, Brother Appleby was at Trinity for a long time dealing with us college students. So I'm certain there's a crown in heaven uh, waiting for him uh, dealing with uh, some of them rascals uh, there. Now, I, I was great, but I mean, other ones I'm talking about. Um, but uh, I tell you, Brother Appleby, I thought about it this morning. I thought, um, and, th- and this is the kind of you know, Brother Appleby's presence, you know, was, was there. And I thought, man, sh- should I shave? Do I need to shave my, sh- do I need to shave my beard? Maybe I'll just shave it back. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, Brother Appleby, no- well, he's, you know, he's not at Trinity anymore. And um, <laughs> you, uh, you just, there was rules there you had to follow, of course. And uh, he left there and went uh, up there to um, North Carolina and uh, pastored for, uh, uh, several years there, uh, uh, Stony Mountain Baptist Church, and um, there in North Carolina, and uh, and and Miss Patty has always had um, this ministry, this awesome ministry, where uh, of course she was at Trinity when when Brother Appleby was at Trinity as well. I I've told you the story. My wife's such a rebel. And um, she was at Trinity uh, before I was, and she had a she had a, a little bitty slit in the back of her skirt, and Miss Patty stopped her in the hallway and said, um, and gave her a pin and said, you're going to have to pin that skirt up. I said, get her, Miss Appleby, get her. And uh, those were different days, Brother Appleby. Those were different days back then. But, um, but Miss Patty was there, too. And then she started um, a great ministry where she would go overseas and a lot of times into even closed countries and um, minister to, to, to women. Uh, so often um, women, and I don't think that sometimes we realize this in our country, but in a lot of places women are either property or second-class citizens, and uh, they're just to be um, you know, seen or, and not heard or not even seen. And, uh, you know, we're offended by that, but it, it's just, a, it's just the facts. And, um, Miss, uh, Patty has gone into many of these places, ministered, won, won these ladies to Christ, well, and men, uh, but won ladies to Christ and, uh, just been, uh, a great, um, ministry through the years. And then a few years back, uh, Brother Appleby, um, um, resigned the church and went full time, um, with um, Well International, and they travel, They're, and he'll tell you some more about it, but they travel all over the world and um, are, are able to minister as a team and uh, see uh, churches uh, refreshed, um, people saved, uh, churches started, and uh, they've literally got their hand 
in so many different ministries around the world. And it's just, it's just been a privilege for us at uh, Rinkin uh, to be able to partner with them uh, through the years and um, uh, be able to be a part, small part of their ministry. And so we're so thankful for that. Brother Appleby, uh, we love you. We appreciate you. Come uh, preach for us this morning. Thank you, Brother Joe. Uh, wow, what I say after all that? Um, first of all, let me say, uh, traveling with a guy like Forrest, there's no reason why my hair started turning gray early, really early. Uh, but in, in spite of all that those guys did to me, uh, I just want to tell you that they're going to pay for it one day and have no, no. And in spite of all the uh, things that they did, I sure enjoyed uh, hearing Forrest sing nearly every night uh, when when we traveled with that team, and, and it's certainly a, a blessing this this morning uh, to hear him sing, and uh, and then. Um, all the kind things that the brother Joe had to say. Let me just say, for it all, uh, to God be the glory, great things he has done. And uh, our, our ministry did start back in 2006 with uh, Women of the Well uh, International Ministries. And uh, due to my responsibilities at the college at that time, uh, I was not able to travel as much as Patty was able to travel so she was able to go to a number of places um, around the world, uh, some closed countries, uh, and just thankful for uh, God's protection and what he allowed uh, her to do. I guess probably our, our most fruitful ministry has been uh, in India, uh, where she was faced with exactly what Brother Joe was talking about this morning and uh, when you get right down to it, when you talk about lower class citizens, the women, uh, they're, they're of no more value than a pig in, in many areas. And um, she was able to go into those areas and minister to those ladies, get into prisons uh, to minister to um, Indian women uh, who, for the most part, were in there for killing their husbands. Uh, but uh, uh, um, leper colonies... Uh, and one of the things that, that she really uh, enjoyed more recently was in southwest India, uh, where we did ministry with um, Justice Banwell, uh, a native of India who is now in heaven. Uh, but we're, we were thankful that uh, she was able uh, to minister there in his really varied ministry, uh, a lot of it having to do with women and children. And so we are thankful that uh, Patty was able to, to take uh, a few people with her when she would go. Uh, India was not one of the more favorite places where we had large groups go because, you know, the, the tougher the trip, uh, the, the fewer the people that go on the trip. That's, that, that's just the way it is. Uh, but to be able to, uh, to minister to those ladies and uh, to do that uh, for many years now, uh, God has been so good. And uh, I did pastor in Hendersonville, North Carolina, uh, from 2008 until 2017. And uh, there again, Patty did a lot of the traveling then uh, with, with ladies. Uh, but in, uh, in 2000, beginning really early on in 15 and 16, 
the Lord was really burdening our heart to do our ministry full time. And so uh, one of the hardest things that I've ever done is uh, to leave my church in North Carolina. I, I had, uh, Brother Joe, I had every pastor's dream for a deacon board. I mean, those, those guys were just super. As a matter of fact, the chairman of, of the deacons at, at Stony Mountain uh, still uh, supports us monthly uh, in our ministry, has gone with us on mission trips, uh, just great, great memories there, and we're thankful for that. But God gave unmistakable guidance uh, to do the ministry full-time. It was a big step, uh, but God provided us a free place to live in Jacksonville, and a number of other things that I could list, just, you know, God is so good at making um, confirmation uh, for, for right decisions. And we feel no doubt whatsoever uh, we made the right decision, and God has blessed, and, and He's blessed the ministry, and we're so thankful that it's no longer, she still does Women of the Well uh, when she goes with ladies, and I don't go, uh, but we felt since I was involved with the ministry now full-time, we needed a little more of a broad title. Women of the well just did not quite fit me. And, um, and so I told her, well, how about women of the well, men of the city? Uh, and uh, she said, no, we don't want that. No, that, that won't work. And as you know, the woman at the well had many husbands. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, the, 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 the Lord gave us uh, uh, direction with uh, the well international ministries and it all still focuses on john 4 uh, where uh, jesus met that dear lady at the well and gave her living water and that's what missions is all about meeting people at the well and giving them living water and we're thankful that God has allowed us to do that and continue to travel. Uh, COVID has put a real dent in a lot of traveling, and uh, I'm sure you understand that. Uh, India has been closed. Uh, we've not been able to go there at all. Uh, we have been able to get in, into Europe uh, and into some areas, uh, and we're, we are scheduled to go back there uh, in May to spend the month there to do uh, two uh, uh, retreats. Uh, one in Landstuhl, Germany, uh, with mainly military associated with um, Ram, uh, um, Ramstein Air Base, and and then uh, another one a, a week later uh, in Brussels, Belgium, uh, with mainly uh, Belgian nationals. And so pray about that, uh, if you would, with us. Uh, Patty's health, for one thing, uh, it'd be good enough for her to travel, and and also uh, that things will be calming down in Europe. We don't know what's going to happen. And so, uh, real matter of prayer. And so, let me just uh, hurry here quickly and thank you for praying for us, uh, for our ministry, and more recently for praying for the things that Satan has put in our path to try to keep us from doing what's in our heart. Uh, we were scheduled to go to Germany uh, last fall uh, uh, to uh, do uh, breakout sessions at a missions retreat. I would do the men, of course, and Patty do the ladies. And uh, so we were making preparation for that trip. And in order to go at that time, uh, we, we needed to have our, our vaccinations. And so we, uh, we went and got our vaccinations in, in August, and we were set to go over there in November. Uh, and then uh, 
uh, after the second vaccination that, that Patty got, uh, she uh, uh, acquired an autoimmune disease syndrome called Guillain-Barre. And uh, the doctors have told us, uh, four different doctors have told us that it was the result of her COVID shot. And, uh, and so it, it totally paralyzed her. We were not able to make that trip, of course, to Germany. Uh, she was in the hospital for 37 days. And, and then two weeks after that at Brooks Rehabilitation Hospital in Jacksonville. Uh, as I said, it totally paralyzed her, started in her feet, went all the way to the top of her head, and she lost the ability to, to move, to, to speak, uh, to uh, uh, just uh, everything. She had to have a feeding tube. She was not able to swallow uh, and uh, hovered between life and death for a number of days in the ICU unit at Baptist South in, in Jacksonville. But God is good. I guess, uh, Brother Joe, one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life is to see Patty struggling in that bed with her body literally on fire. Her nerves stripped, uh, this Guillain-Barre, uh, just her body literally on fire. And, uh, but I'm glad that even though we were not able to go to a foreign country, God provided a mission field in a hospital. And um, she was able to minister to a lot of people. And we were able to minister uh, through the strength that God gave us through a trying time. And I've, I've got to hurry, and I'm, I'm going to do that. Um, but uh, we're, we're thankful that um, uh, after all this, let me say, bring you up to today, uh, she has advanced from a wheelchair, a walker, and now she's pretty much uh, maneuvering around with a cane. And she's swinging that cane pretty good when I mess up. So um, uh, we're, we're so thankful for that. And um, God is good all the time. I don't know what you're facing this morning, but uh, God is good all the time. And uh, our most recent uh, hurdle... Uh, we were blessed uh, last week with our fifth grandchild, uh, Emma Jane, and uh, some of you I know have been praying for her. Uh, she, uh, she came at 24 weeks and weighed one pound, eight ounces. Uh, as, of, as of this morning, uh, she was at one pound, two ounces. Uh, they, you ladies know how that the, the babies lose uh, a certain amount of weight uh, after birth. Uh, but I'm thankful that when I got the report this morning uh, that uh, little Emma Jane is, uh, is, had another good night. And we're praising the Lord for every good day, every good night. And it's a day-by-day thing. They said that she'll probably be in uh, Wolfson Hospital in Jacksonville until her birth date. Uh, scheduled her original birth date was June the 5th and so uh, Brandon and, and Katie know that they've got a long road ahead uh, but I'm thankful that God's waiting for them uh, in every day of that road and and that's for you too by the way and so um, uh, your prayers are appreciated and and we would be so very thankful for uh, your prayers for, for little Emma Jane uh, and and for Patty 
Uh, we got a blessing. Uh, they said that they thought she had meningitis, uh, but the cultures that they've done with the blood have shown that so far up to this point she does not. Uh, but they, have, they went ahead and put her on strong antibiotics right away to help with some other issues too. And I just want to thank the Lord for his care and for the excellent care she's getting there at Wolfson Hospital in Jacksonville. Uh, we're, we're very grateful. Uh, well, it's kind of hard to preach this morning to get my mind focused on uh, what I want to say to you. And uh, let me say thank you for supporting us. And wherever Patty's gone, wherever we go together, wherever I've gone, um, I'm scheduled to go to Columbia in July. Uh, uh, Patty's not scheduled to go on that one, but wherever we go, you go. Uh, that's what missions is all about. And, uh, and we appreciate all that this church has done for us uh, now for, for several years. And we love you dearly. And thank God for, for Brother Joe and Wendy and Forrest and his tribe. And, and uh, I, I tell you, it's just uh, God's good. And he's, he's good in a lot of ways. And he's been good to us by allowing us to be in contact with Rankin Baptist Temple. And we appreciate that so very much. Uh, Matthew chapter 25 in your Bible this morning. Matthew chapter 25, and I've taken too much time probably, but uh, this is going to be a part one, part two message, uh, and so I'll go as far as I can this, this morning, and then we will break and do what Baptists do best, and that's eat. Uh, someone told me many years ago, and I attested to the fact that when I went to North Carolina to pastor especially, uh, boy, uh, we had some good cooks in our church, and uh, they set me straight right off about some of the things that I needed to make sure I knew about their cooking when I was told to go get stuff at the store when they needed something in the kitchen, and uh, I made the mistake of bringing the wrong mayonnaise one time, and uh, one of the ladies set me straight and said, Preacher, we don't use that mayonnaise here as the... And said, uh, if you want our meals, you got to bring us the right mayonnaise. And so I had to go back to the store, Brother Joe, and get a, a jar of Duke's mayonnaise. And, uh, but I'm, I'm thankful for the uh, good meals that those, and nobody can cook like Baptist women. Amen, guys? Amen. Amen. And that's, there's a reason for that is that nobody can eat like Baptist men. And so, the, you know, the, the two kind of kind of go there together. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, and we'll begin reading in verse 14, and Lord help us with the time this morning and this afternoon. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants uh, and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then... Uh, he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. And he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid the, his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. 
His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. Well done. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he that had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth, and lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it to him that hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath been given, he shall have abundance. But unto him that hath not, shall be taken away, taken away even that which he hath. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word this morning. Help me in the time that I have today. Uh, Father, to, to share these thoughts that I pray uh, will be of help and a blessing, uh, encouragement, motivation, uh, Father, to your people today in this great church that I love dearly. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here that does not know the Lord, that they would see their need uh, to give their life to Him and accept Him as their personal Savior. Father, do that today and do a work in each of our hearts, Father, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. When we look at the passage that we've read this morning and our text, Jesus is teaching about our responsibility to use what he has given us. And that's an awesome responsibility, folks. When we think about that, uh, we see the context here, and we want to set the context at this time, uh, and that the the parable comes at uh, this section in Matthew's Gospel where Jesus is, is giving his disciples, or he's, he's giving an answer to his disciples uh, about the second coming. And so where Jesus is giving them this answer in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately and said, Tell us when these things shall be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. And so here Jesus warns them to be on guard so that no one will deceive them. And he wants them to understand that once he leaves, he will come again. And folks, I'm thankful that he is coming again. He challenges them in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 44 to be ready because when he does come, it's going to come at a time when he is least expected to come. In chapter 25, Jesus compares his coming to the eastern custom of a bridegroom arriving in the middle of the night, and he concludes by saying in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 13, Watch therefore, for ye know not neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. 
And so here we see right off, if you, if you hear a preacher, any preacher, I don't care who he is, I don't care what denomination he is, if he's telling you Jesus is coming on a certain day, he's a, he's a false teacher. We do not know the day, we do not know the hour. But chapter 25 ends with the separation of the sheep and the goats and sandwiched in between uh, what Jesus was telling them about his second coming uh, and chapter 25, the separation of the sheep and goats, sandwiched in between these two things is the parable of the talents. Uh, and you notice in verse 14, then one of the twelve, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, verse, uh, i get back in the right chapter. Uh, for the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man traveling into a far country. And uh, we want to see here that the man traveling is Jesus. And so as we walk through this powerful passage that we're going to do here in this service as well as uh, after, after lunch, uh, we want to see seven stewardship lessons that I believe can, can help us uh, in using what God has given us. And folks... Uh, we don't know when Jesus is coming, uh, but I believe it's soon. Uh, you say, well, preacher, people have said that. Preachers have said that for years and years and years, and uh, he still hasn't come. I, uh, the signs have never been in place. Things have never been in place any more than they are today. Uh, not one prophecy has yet to be fulfilled, uh, needs to be fulfilled. Jesus is ready to come back, and I'd be happy if it was today. Uh, I mean, I'm not with my wife, I'm not with my family, but it wouldn't be long we'd see each other in the air, amen? And so we need to be thankful that uh, Jesus is coming back. And so what we need to see as about our using what God has given us is, first of all, what we have is not ours. What we have is not ours. Verse 14 uh, concludes by saying uh, that this man who was uh, getting ready to, uh, for a journey, he called his servants together and entrusted his property with them. Uh, this was a common custom that they would do in those days, and it was common for wealthy men to take long journeys, and before they would leave for that journey, they would arrange for someone to pick up their mail and feed their pets and, you know, all the, all the things we do, you know. And, uh, and then, even more than that, they would delegate control over their, uh, their wealth, and they would expect those that they would leave their wealth with to multiply what they had left with them if they were to be trustworthy employees. And that, that's what we see here in the parable of the talents. They were expected, these employees were, to bring a return on what had been handed over to them. And I hope you're starting to get in your mind right now the drift of where we're going with this message. So when, when we look at this, given the uncertainties of transportation in those days, the time of return... Uh, for the, the master to return, uh, even on a well-planned trip, was often open-ended. And there was no doubt in the minds of these servants, though, that, uh, that the property and the money, even though the master was gone, uh, the property was in no doubt it still belonged to the master. It still belonged to him. They were the possessors, but not the owners. Their job was to manage what they were given. And so likewise this morning, we must remember that everything that has been given to us is not really ours. 
It's not ours. Psalm 24 and verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Haggai 2 verse 8 says, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Hosts. COVID moment. Here it is. He has the rights. We have the responsibility. And so we've got to understand that he is the master. I am the manager. I'm his servant. He's sovereign. I've got to go further and understand that, that we have got to allow this basic principle to permeate our Christian life. We don't really own anything. I mean, that's an awful statement, isn't it? I said, well, preacher, I already don't have a whole lot. Well, you don't have anything. We don't own anything. Everything for the child of God belongs to God. Everything belongs to the Lord. And until we realize this truth, uh, we will not be good managers of, of what God has entrusted us with. Our days are in His hands. And with all that's going on these days, wow. Thank you, Jesus. And so when we think about this, our gifts, our abilities are on loan from Him. Our money is an advance from God. Our houses, our cars, our clothes, every possession does not belong to us. We don't really own anything. Stewardship lessons. What we have is not ours. Secondly, we're given what we can handle. We're given what we can handle. In verse 15, we see here that the master gave some talents uh, to three of his servants. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another two, and to another one. And notice what he said, each according to his ability. And then off the master went on his journey. I believe we need to pause here for just a moment and recognize that this word talent is, is different uh, than our present day understanding. A talent is a measure of weight and is used in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 21 where it says, And there fell upon men great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent, which was about 100 pounds. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. But then in the light of this passage, a talent was also used to indicate a very large sum of money. And so uh, the value, uh, of course, varied depending on what was being weighed, whether it was copper or silver or gold. While commentators differ on the exact amount, most agree, and what I've studied and read, most agree that it would take an ordinary laborer about 20 years just to earn one talent. Now you stop and think about the value of that. To put this into our economy using a minimal hourly wage, a talent would be equivalent to about $300,000. So we're talking about a lot of stuff here. And so this parable has reference to how we invest our money. It is a secondary application in how we use our God-given talents and ability. It's not just about money. It's about everything that God has given us that we are to bring glory to Him. And, uh, and we're going to be faithful. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to... Uh, I'm not going to preach on, on tithing this morning, but uh, I think preachers already mentioned it this morning that when we talk about faith promise, we're not talking about the tithe. Uh, faith promise is over and above our tithes and our offerings. You see, 
although these things are so important for the church, it reminds me of, of a story about two men who crashed their private plane in the South Pacific Island. It was a deserted island. And so one of the men brushed himself off and proceeded to run all over the island to see if they had any chance of survival. When he returned, he rushed up to the other man and he was screaming. He was frantic. This island is uninhabited and there's no food and there's no water. We're going to die. The other man leaned back against the fuselage of the wrecked plane and folded his arms and responded, No, we're not. I make over $100,000 a week. The first man grabbed his friends and shook him and said, Listen, we're on a desert island, a deserted island. Uh, We're doomed. The other man, unruffled again, responded, It's okay. It's okay. I make over $100,000 a week. Mystified, the first man, taken back by such an answer, again repeated, For the last time, I'm telling you, we're lost. This is a desert island. It doesn't matter how much money you make because there's no one around to help us. Still unfazed, the first man looked to the other guy and looked him straight in the eye and said, Don't make me say this again. I make over $100,000 a week and I tithe 10%. My pastor will find us. (laughs) And I'm sure no matter where you are, if you make $100,000 a week, Brother Joe will find you uh, to help you uh, with whatever need that you have. Uh, Listen, he'd track you down somehow, all right? (laughs) Let's go back to our story. Uh, the master here uh, gave the first servant five talents. The second guy, he gave two talents. The third guy, he gave one talent. And even though there's a big difference between five talents and one talent, a lot of, of wealth there, the guy who received just the one talent, he still had a lot of money. That reminds us that God gives, and he's so good at this, out of his abundance to us. He gives out of His abundance to us. I want you to notice that each servant received talents according to His ability. According to His, your responsibility this morning and what you do in this church and what you do for missions is according to your ability. I think this is really interesting in that God's kingdom purposes do not operate on according of what is fair. You say, well, what do you mean by that? God's kingdom and purposes operate on what is best. That's the God that we serve. In 1 Corinthians 3, 5, after challenging believers uh, to be unified, and we talked in Sunday school this morning about you know the church at Corinth was a carnal church, and they had trouble with that. Uh, and he told them that they did not need to break up into subgroups and follow different leaders. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 5, Who then is Paul and who then is Apollos, these leaders that they were going off to? We're just ministers by whom ye believed even as the Lord gave to every man. Now, did you catch that? What we're seeing here is that each of us has been signed a task. We all have an individual task. It is our job to be faithful to what He has given us to do. You don't need to worry about that person and that person and that person. We need to be conscious of what God has given us to do, and we have to do that because God gave it to us. He expects us to manage the things, the gifts that He has given to us as individuals. 
within the boundaries of ability that He has wired into you. God's not unreasonable. You know, I, I, I think I quoted uh, Romans 12, 1 this morning. Uh, Paul was concerned about living sacrifices. Our, our being living sacrifices. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, uh, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's our God. God is not unreasonable. God entrusts different stuff to different people according to His sovereign purposes. In other words, He knows what we can handle. I'm glad that's the God we serve, Brother Joe. He knows what we can handle. Our job is to be faithful with whatever He has given us to work with. And we need to ask ourselves a question at this point. Do we trust that God knows more about us than we know more about ourselves? That's what we've got to have by way of trust in our sovereign God. We have what we have is not ours. We're given what we can handle. God, God is good. He's sovereign. Third thing, we must invest what we've been given. We've got to invest what we've been given. Verse, 15, verse 16 tells us that the man who received five talents went, it says, if you see the verse there, and I believe this is an at once going. I mean, this guy did not hesitate. He went uh, and put his money to work and gained five more. He didn't waste any time, but immediately went to work on investing investment strategy and doubled his master's worth. Then the guy who got two talents here, he did the same thing. Uh, we do not know um, uh, anything more about that uh, other than he doubled his master's money as well, ending up with four talents. Verse 18 describes here the different approach of the third servant. You see that here in the Scripture. The man who had received the one talent went off, and what did he do? He dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Um, even though we don't read about any specific instructions for what, what uh, to do with the money, the first two guys went to work, and what did they do? They multiplied their investment. And so as we look at the, the passage here, the one-talent guy went off and buried his blessing. God doesn't want us to bury our blessings. As we think about this, the practice of hiding valuables in the ground was quite common back then. It was one of the safest, but it was one of the least profitable ways of protecting possessions. But we have got to be people that understand that God doesn't want us to to get discouraged and say, well, I just can't do this. I just as well give up. And we bury what God has given us. That is wasting the blessing, no matter what size, that God has given you. Um, I, I read this. Because Antonio's voice was high and squeaky, he did not make the tryouts for the Cremona Boys Choir. When he took violin lessons... The neighbors persuaded his parents to make him stop. Uh, I guess he was kind of like Jack Benny uh, on, on, on the violin. Uh, but yet Antonio still wanted to make music. His friends gave him a hard time because his only talent was whittling. When Antonio was older, he served as an apprentice to a violin maker. 
His knack of whittling grew into a skill of carving and his hobby became his craft. He worked patiently and faithfully. By the time he died, he left over 1,500 violins, each one bearing the label that read Antonio Stradivarius. And so now they are the most sought-after violins in the world, some of them selling as much as uh, $100,000 each, and many, uh, one was even valued, as I read recently, $16 million. Antonio could not sing. He could not play uh, or preach or teach. His responsibility was to use his ability. And his violins are still making beautiful music today. Folks, what is this saying to us? I believe it's saying that we need to understand that our potential. Think about yourself right now. You say, well, I just don't have much to think about. I have felt that way. Boy, Brother Joe, when when God called me to preach, I was like Moses. I, I said, sir, you've made a bad mistake. I mean, back in those days, I, I, I stuttered. I mean, I could make a, a, a sentence last a half hour, a statement last a half hour that ought to be over in five minutes. And I said, Lord, you have made a bad mistake. And God used his message that he gave to Moses to speak to me. And he said, Larry, who made your mouth? And I'm glad that when I got that across to my thick head, I realized that my potential, what I have, and friend, what you have today as your potential is God's gift. It's God's gift to you. What we do with it, here's the important part, what we do with it is our gift to Him. So then we see how important this is. As Zig Ziglar has said, you are the only person on earth who can use your ability. You're the only person on earth who can use your God-given ability this morning. All right, and we need to ask ourselves another important question here. Are we investing what God has given, regardless of how much it is? Or have you buried your blessing and kept it hidden from others? When we think about that, we need to understand that we must invest what we've been given. So we need to understand that what we have is not ours, what we're given. We're given what we can handle. We must invest what we've been given. And the fourth thing is, a day of accountability is coming. A day of accountability is coming. Uh, Any of you looking forward to being audited by the IRS? None of us uh, would look forward to be audited by the IRS. But folks, we need to understand that we all will be audited by God. We all will be audited by God. We have been given an account for which we've, uh, we've used, and we're, we're going to have to give an account for what we have been given and what we've used. Look at verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and, uh, and settled the accounts with them. Can I just say again, as we said earlier this morning, In this message, Jesus might come again. Is that what I said? Is that what's going to happen? Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. 
Let's be faithful in doing whatever He gives us to do. Time may be short. We need to understand that He's investing something in you. God has invested something in me. He's invested something in you. And one day He's coming back to claim it. He's coming back to claim what He's invested in you. Your job this morning, your life and what you do may be big or small, whatever it is, you have got to do it to the best of your ability and you will be ready for the audit. You will be ready when when Jesus comes back. Wouldn't it be terrible to be ashamed and unprepared when Jesus comes back? 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28. And now little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. He is coming back. And we need to be people who are using our God-given abilities and talents for His glory. There's something that I, I pray... I pray every morning, Brother Joe. I prayed it this morning when I knew I was going to stand in your pulpit. I said, God, don't let me mess up. Don't let me be a discouragement to those people who've been faithful, who are going to be faithful to come to church today. Help me to say what you want me to say and not one word more. Help me, Lord. And along with what I've said this morning so far in this message, I pray this prayer every morning. God, Please, help me do better than I know how. And folks, he's ready to do that. The ability that he has given you as an individual, he's ready to help you do better than you know how. Now, we have a few more things that we're going to cover this afternoon. And uh, please come back. And uh, we'll spend a little bit of time together and uh, see what, we need to understand about what God has given us and what He expects of us as His servants. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? I wonder if there's anyone here today who does not know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior. If you've never been saved, oh, uh, uh, you need to see your need to accept the greatest gift that has ever been offered to mankind. And that's the gift of God's precious Son, the Lord Jesus. For the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin, what we deserve is death. But the gift of God is His precious Son, the Lord Jesus. Without Him, we're without hope. And without Him, you're without hope this morning if you don't know Him as your personal Savior And if you've never accepted Him, if you see yourself as a sinner in need of Christ, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. And your greatest ability at this point in your life, we've talked a lot about ability this morning, you need to be able to see yourself, first of all, as a sinner in need of a Savior. And we all are. I'm glad that on June 11th, 1970, I saw myself as a hopeless sinner in need of a Savior, and I got down beside my mom and dad's bed with my dad, and my dad and I accepted Christ together. That's what you need to do. You need to trust Christ as your personal Savior. 
I wonder if there's anyone here this morning before we have, uh, we're not going to come back where you are and embarrass you in any way, but I wonder if there's anyone here who would say, Preacher, please pray for me. I've never had a time in my life where I've accepted Christ as my Savior. I'm not coming back where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I would like to pray for you. Would you say, Preacher, pray for me. I've never had a time in my life where I've accepted the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior. Pray for me. Anyone? Just slip your hand up and write back down, and I'll remember you in prayer this morning. Anyone at all, pray for me. I'm not sure that I'm a Christian. I'm not sure that if I was to die today that that I would go to heaven. Anyone at all? Then by your testimony, everyone here today claims to be a born-again believer. God, help us to understand that what we have is not ours. It's His. And we need to serve Him to the best of our ability. God help us, Pastor. Let's stand together this morning, head bowed, eyes closed, piano playing. Give you an opportunity this morning if you need to come and talk it over the Lord. What are you doing with the abilities, the blessings, the talents that God has given you? Let's do something that'll last for eternity. If you need to come for whatever reason, as the piano plays this morning, you come.